Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zerah Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. At times of our life, we go through a transition. There are new things that we're called to experience and new things that we're called to do if we're going to be in God's will. And this is true for the one whose book bears his name. And I'm speaking about Yehoshua, that is Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, we're going to see that, that God has used him as a servant, a servant to Moses. But things have changed. Why is that? Well, take out your Bible and look with me to that portion of Scripture, the book of Joshua and chapter 1. Now, we need to be disciplined students of the Bible. And part of that is this, reading all of God's Word and recognizing that there is relevance, strong relevance, pertinent relevance for our lives today from all of Scripture. But here's the message, and I've said this so many times. We, because we are a new creation, in Messiah that we've experienced this regeneration that we are that new man the old things have passed away and the Holy Spirit his anointing in our life we can say it another way his leadership his provision he is going to guide us in order that we fulfill the righteousness of the law that's what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 4 and it is so relevant for us. This is our call in a general sense, to live in a way that fulfills the righteousness of the law, and one can only do that when they are walking, how? In the Spirit. So the message and the leadership of the Spirit of God, that Holy Spirit, that one receives by receiving redemption, that new covenant redemption, is going to drive us, lead us, empower us in order that we fulfill the righteousness of the law. Not in the oldness of the letter, but in the newness of the Spirit. So look with me to Joshua chapter 1. Let's begin in verse 1 and we'll see why Yahushua is having this change, this transition in his life. Verse 1. And it came about after the death of Moses. Now, Moses is frequently given a title. And what a wonderful title this is, one that we should strive to, to also have applied to our life. Because it says, Moses, the servant of the Lord. That is the best thing that can be called on upon a person. My hope is that, that when I die, and, and someone hears my name, that they would think, and this is the desire it should be for all believers, that we would be thought of as a servant 
of our Lord. That our life reflected the fact that we acknowledged him in all things, his lordship over our life. Moses did that. And therefore it says, and it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Yahshua, the son of Nun, and notice how he's called, a servant of Moses. Now, this word servant, early on when it says, Evet Adonai, for Moses, a slave of the Lord. And then instead of that word Evet, in regard to Yahshua, it's the word Misharet. It comes from the verb Lesharet, which is to serve. Now, they both, a Evet or a Misharet, is someone who recognizes another's authority over his life or her life so moses did that and we see that yoshua recognized the lord's authority over his life by submitting to moses and serving him once again the lord said to joshua yoshua the son of noon the servant of moses saying now look at verse 2 moses my servant we could accurately say my slave is dead and now and here's this change oftentimes the hebrew word ata which with an ein means now but now with a sense of urgency it implies something new something different a transition now because of this happening moses being dead there's a transition and this transition has an urgency for joshua notice the next word the word kum now i have shared with you before this term which means rise up this is a word that relates to more often than not in the scripture when god is speaking to someone and he says get up rise up it's usually a call to service meaning that god is giving an assignment a purpose a mission to someone that he has something for that one to do and you will only know the fulfillment of your life purpose you will only know obedience and the goodness that comes from obeying god if you submit to that call in your life and this is what you should be praying for now i tell people frequently examine your prayers keep that prayer journal it's a wise thing to do and see what you're praying for all too often people keep a prayer journal so they can cross out answers and when they mean answers it's it's yes god gave me this god did this he he fulfilled this prayer this is not the primary purpose of a prayer journal it's part of it but you need to examine what you're praying for how you're praying and one of the things that a man of god a woman of god will pray for is that we will know god's will his purpose for our life and we will want with great desire it will be foundational in our prayer life that we submit to it that we carry it out so prayer is not so much god fulfill that but prayer from you and me is god help me fulfill your will for my life in a given situation and of course 
in every situation of my life. Look again at verse 2. God is speaking and he says, Moses, my servant, is dead now. You rise up. Pass over this Jordan. Notice a similarity. In the same way that Moses, he began the process having the people crossed over the Yamsuf, the Sea of Reeds, that Red Sea. So that began Moses' call upon his life. This transition from his work in Egypt to now his work bringing the people into the promised land. Moses didn't complete that task. Now it was going to fall upon Joshua. And when God says, now get up and pass over this Jordan, it is relating to the conclusion. Not the conclusion for Israel, but the conclusion of those 40 years in the Midbar, the wilderness or desert. That is coming to an end for a new beginning and God supplies a new leader. Now, we know something. The same root from which the name Yeshua, Jesus, comes from is that same root where the term Yahushua. And there's one place in the scripture where Joshua, the son of Nun, is is called by that same Hebrew name, Yeshua. So here it's Yehoshua. But in one other place, it's that same name for Yeshua, Jesus. Why? As Joshua is bringing the people to a sense of fulfillment, they have crossed the Jordan, or they will, and they're going to enter into the land of Israel. That land is known as a kingdom, the kingdom of God in this time frame. Now, it parallels, it's a paradigm for the kingdom of God. And who leads us into the kingdom of God? Who does the work? It is Yeshua, the son of God, the son of Joseph from his humanity standpoint. So there's a correlation. And therefore, what Joshua is being instructed to do is also relevant. I would suggest highly relevant for you and me as servants of Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ. So he says, pass over this Jordan, Jordan, meaning the Jordan River, you and all this people to the land and there's an emphasis to the land is emphatic now there's always when we speak about the will of god there's always from a biblical context for the people of god there's always an emphasis in the land therefore realize something if your theology especially your eschatology your understanding of the last days if it does not relate to the land of israel you are an heir we see whenever god talks about fulfillment whenever god talks about about success and he will in a moment there's always a connection to the land when god speaks about covenant fulfillment it's also connected to the land so if anyone tells you that that god is not still interested in the land of Israel, that person is a false teacher. Those who say God isn't interested in real estate, he is specifically the land of Israel. It was true in the past and prophetically 
God is moving to bring back his people to the land of Israel in order that the prophetic purpose of God might be fulfilled. And what is that prophetic purpose? It's the kingdom of God. Once more. And now rise up, pass over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am, and notice this next verb, I am giving. Now, some will call it a participle. That's okay. The terminology of the grammar is not what's significant, the name that you use. It's recognizing that this grammatical construction always shows an importance. It highlights, it it emphasizes something that God wants to say. And what is that? That God is giving. Now, what's important is this. Many times, Christian scholars, and I want to make a difference between Christian scholars and their understanding of Hebrew grammar and, and Jewish scholars, rabbinical scholars, because Christianity tends to look at Hebrew by saying there's the perfect and imperfect. Now, that perfect and imperfect has nothing whatsoever to do with the understandings of these terms in the Greek language. They have a total different meaning, application, definition. They are totally unrelated. But in Hebrew, Christian scholars will speak about the perfect and imperfect and say a lot about that. Let me just set that for the side because there is something they call it a participle that takes it out of the, the tense, so to speak. But it ought not. Here we see that in actuality, there is a present aspect. And whenever that present aspect appears in a verb or a participle, if you call it that, there's always significance. So it stands out. God says, which I am giving to them, to who? To the children of Israel, literally the sons of Israel. Why? Well, God is giving the land so that they can serve him. That's one aspect of sonship. The other aspect of sonship is being an heir, inheriting. So God is giving. God is sovereign. He can give that land as an inheritance to whomever he desires. And God doing so is highly related to God's eternal purposes, God's kingdom purposes for this people. Move to verse 3. Every place, notice there is a a broadness, a, a great inclusiveness to what God says to Joshua. Verse 3, every place where the sole of your foot, we could say, steps upon it, treads on it. He says to you, and it's in the plural to the children of Israel, to you all, I have given it, just as I have said to Moses. So what's happening? There is a passing on of the revelation of God. What do I mean by that? Well, we know that the covenant promise went from Abraham and it passed on to Yitzchak. And from Yitzchak to Yaakov. In that same way, this this covenantal call of, of the purpose of God that was given redemptively to Moses as being the leader is now passing on from Moses 
to Yeshua. And the same thing that God desired when he gave and made that covenant with Abraham, that same thing passed on to Yitzchak and to Yaakov, Isaac and Jacob. And that same thing, that same purpose that he gave Moses is now no change to it, is passing on to that next generation to Joshua. And he says, look now to verse 4, and from the wilderness, now Israel has a midbar, a desert aspect to it. We know where is the wilderness. And for the most part, we're talking about the Negev and below. But notice something else, and there's the debate. He says here, also, Veha Levonon. Now, again, if you don't look at something in the original language, you, you miss out so much. I was talking to some friends last night, and, and they were pointing out that what I'm sharing with them is, is kind of unfair because they don't know Hebrew. I was speaking via the a Skype call. And I said, but wait a second. There are tools which allow you to see the original language broken down. Because when you look at this word, and you should look, take time. Don't be careless if you are being called to share the word of God. That involves a time commitment. You would never go to a, a doctor. You have some health problem. You wouldn't want to go to a doctor that says, I really don't have time to, to treat you properly. So I'm just going to do it carelessly. I'm going to do it quickly because I'm only willing to give you this much time and no preparation for what, what I'm going to be sharing with you. You would never go to a doctor like this. Therefore, stop pretending to be a Bible student or a Bible teacher. That involves preparation. It involves a time commitment. It involves learning a set of skills. And you can learn those skills, that methodology, much quicker than people think. And why I say that is this. You can go and see through the helps that are free. You can see that it doesn't say Lebanon. It says the Lebanon. It will tell you that the definite article is there. Now, you know something. A name is definite in and of itself, which means if I use the term for a nation, and I'll just pick Israel, you don't have to say the Israel. It's understood. Israel is always specific. It's definite. So it does not require that definite article, the word the. Now, that's true in Hebrew as well. It's understood in the text. But here, when you look at this, and you check it out, even if you can't read Hebrew and see the letter hey, and it sounds out as ve-ha Lebanon, when you look at the aid that's free online, you can see that it includes the definite article. Now, you can learn the Hebrew letters very quickly. There's only 22. You can learn them so that you can enunciate pronounce the the text so that you're not misled it is highly significant that the definite article is written down and not assumed what's the implication of that it is not speaking about lebanon in and of itself 
But when it says ha levonon, it could also be speaking about what we learn in the book of Deuteronomy when it talks about har levonon, which means the white mountain, meaning Jerusalem. So this may be speaking about, and if we look here, look carefully, it says the wilderness and we could understand this as this this white one. It's odd to say ha Lebanon hazeh, the whole term, this Lebanon, but rather it's speaking most scholars from a Hebraic standpoint see this as a reference to Jerusalem. Unto the great river, the Euphrates River, Nahar Parat, and all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea and what's the great sea well it says from the the setting of the sun and this would be the mediterranean so these are the borders and he wants to emphasize two things hamidbar and jerusalem that mountain that what's called the white mountain because it's for the word levanon comes from a hebrew word lavan which means white so ha levanon haze this this white place could be a reference to jerusalem and there is a message here he's giving the borders but he's emphasizing the wilderness now we would think for a moment because in other places if we look at the torah in the book of genesis he gives two specific uh, rivers a river in egypt he uses the term nachal which may not be the Nile, some say it is, we'll put that for another discussion. But here he doesn't give that river, he gives the wilderness. Why? Because the term Midbar is a reference to, to dependence. And it's only when we approach God being totally dependent upon him, can we worship him. We can receive that atonement, that forgiveness, that redemption, that that the text may be speaking of when it speaks about midbar dependence and ha levanon haze this this white place referring to jerusalem then he says all the land of the hittites unto the great sea obviously the mediterranean from the setting of the sun so we're speaking about the mediterranean on the west it will be your borders verse five now if we agree with god and that's what it's all about be wise be humble agree with god when we do there's a benefit god saying here's the borders and for joshua this means this is the land that you're called to take possession of and he says here's the encouragement look at verse five which means a man he will not take a stand before you this can mean against you all the days of your life meaning this it's not that you're not going to to experience opposition joshua is going to but not successful opposition as long as you're committed to my call my purpose taking possession of the land that I have established the borders. When you submit to that, and that's your objective, then you don't need to worry about the enemy. They're not going to be able to successfully stand against you. That's what he's talking about here. And notice, all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, 
I will be with you. Now, this phrase, with you, is significant. Scholars teach us that this is a redemptive term. The outcome of redemption is that a sinful man, once he's redeemed, he can experience and be be intimate, be in the presence of that holy God. So he's saying all of this is the purpose of redemption. I am with you for this reason. So realize God saves us. God redeems for a purpose. And when we are not committed to that purpose, then we have to understand why we have been saved. So he says, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then he says two things, lo arpecha velo vecha. Now, two words. Now, the word first, most Bible says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But it's not the word leave. This word means to let go. Now, it can be a word of, of something. When you let go of something, it falls through your fingers, it falls out of your hand. And this implies a cognitive effort. I let go. God is saying, I'm not going to let go of you. Now, remember the context. What's the context? Redemption. God is not going to let go of those that he's redeemed. Now, this word for letting go, some point out that we see it and use it in a practical sense today as something, letting go of something. And it's oftentimes, I forgot this. I was careless. I I shirked my responsibility. So what God is saying, I don't do those things. I don't shirk my responsibility. I don't let go. I'm not careless. I don't uh, uh, forget. So he's saying, I'm not going to let this relationship, this this intimacy, this redemption just, just fall away. And this means by accident, not with uh, a cognitive things. Many times someone will say, did you do that? And literally you can say, I forgot. I, I did not put it in my calendar. I did not put the emphasis I should and I forgot. So God's saying he'll never do that in regard to us. Secondly, the next word is the word leave, and it can have more of a, a, a understanding of leaving or forsaking with intent. So what God is saying in this passage when he says, I will never uh, let go of you or, or abandon you, he's saying, I'm not going to do it by carelessness. It's just not going to happen uh, by chance, and it's not going to happen based upon an intent, intent or desire to do so. So God is affirming his commitment to Joshua as it relates to his purpose, the purpose of God. Based upon that, what should he do? Look at verse 6. Now here we're going to see this expression three times before we conclude tonight and we're coming towards the end of our study. He's going to say, be courageous. And the next word, is a word for being, being strong. Look, he says, literally, verse 6, chazak, be strong. This is a word for strength, power. And then he says, and be courageous. Now, be strong and be courageous or brave. This word, we look at it, the first word we know, chazak, for strong. The next word is a word, emits, 
which is derived from the word omits, which is braveness, courage. So he says, be strong and be brave for you. This is the call that God's not going to leave Joshua in regard to. He says, I'm not going to forsake you carelessly or with intent, for you are going to do something. You are going to cause this people to inherit the land which I have sworn to their fathers to give to them. So God has taken an oath, and that oath he made to the patriarchs, specifically to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, this has significant implications. Now, when Israel walks in faithlessness, there will be punishment. And that punishment can at times involve exile. God, after a period of time of faithlessness on the children of Israel's part, God has, he will place them into exile. But it's limited for a amount of time. God has to. Why? He has sworn. And he swore to the patriarchs. They were faithful in their objective. Therefore, God's going to be faithful. He's going to do it for who he is. And what is that? He is going to cause, and we know prophetically, a remnant. Now, for, for Joshua, it's the same thing. Why? Well, according to, to the biblical texts, there is a verse that speaks about Israel coming out of, of Egypt. Hamushim, which means armed, like with weapons. But wait, they didn't really have weapons. So this term can mean 20%, meaning 20% of the people came out of, of the land. What 20%? Of the Hebrews. Now, there was a mixed multitude with them, but it was simply a remnant. It wasn't all those individuals that dwelt in Goshen. Some of them died out of disobedience. They did not demonstrate faith. They did not do the Passover. And because of that, they were lost. So there was a remnant that came out. And God is saying this same thing based upon the patriotic promise. Let me say that another way. The covenant that God made with Abraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov. Because of that, we can be assured that there will be a remnant of their offspring, specifically the sons and daughters of Yaakov, of Jacob, that will indeed take possession of the land as a requirement for the kingdom to be established. This is very important. And many theologians, especially Reformed theologians, that is Calvinistic-minded people, reject this and they are wrong. They are in disobedience. Look again at verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you will cause this people to inherit the land. What land? What I have sworn to their forefathers to give to them. Verse 7, he says it again. Rock, which means only. Only be strong and courageous, but he changes it. He adds another word, the Hebrew word me'od. Now, when we said the Shema a few minutes ago, we talked about with kol levavcha uvekol nafshecha uvekol meodecha. 
with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and meodecha. What's that? Your, and the word meod, it means very, the very essence, the very existence of a person. It is a word of strong emphasis. It can be translated and oftentimes is into English with the word exceedingly. So when he says, be strong and courageous, he says after that, very or in an exceedingly great manner. That's what is required to carry out the purposes of God in your life. Verse 7, only be strong and courageous, very or exceedingly to do what? This is how we show strength and courage. And likewise, this is how we are empowered and we are encouraged. How? To keep and to do all the law which Moses commanded you. Who's Moses? Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it. Now, notice there's a paradigm. In the same way that the people had to submit to God's instructions to enter into the promised land. God is going to move and bring about things and use the enemy in order to bring about obedience to his instructions among believers in the last days. We're going to find that that persecution and there will be a strong time of persecution upon believers. Does that mean that we're going to experience uh, the wrath of God? Absolutely not. But we will experience tribulation. God promises that. Read Acts 14 verse 22. Read other places prophetically in the New Testament where it speaks about believers going through strong harsh tribulation and persecution but never ever ever the wrath of god he says and do not turn from it and then he says yamin usmol which means not to the right not to the left now what does that mean we need to be accurate we need to approach the instruction of god the law of god and we need to do it properly not uh one-sidedness or the other side but but accurately that's what he's telling us not to the right or to the left don't depart from it on account notice the benefit on account that you and it's a word taskil now the word sechel can have to do with understanding or a a common it's really an uncommon sense it is something that that becomes common sense because God teaches you God gives you his perspective for the natural man we look at that we're confused but when we are are walking in obedience God gives us a mindset a perspective where we can see clearly the the will of God and that's what he says here on account that you will what he says on account that you will be and let's get this right look if you would to verse verse 7 on account to skill because on account that you will have understanding that you will be wise in all which you walk meaning this you are going to have discernment you are going to see things clearly from god's perspective why the outcome of it is because you have have kept to do 
all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. So that's why it's so important that we do something. Now hear this carefully. I've said it many times, but I get the same question over and over. And if you understand what I'm saying to you now, you'll never ask that question. When it comes to the law as believers being saved by grace, how do we approach the law? With respect. Understanding the law has great relevance. People say, well, does that mean I have to keep the law? You cannot. Now, it has only to do with one thing. There is no temple. So there is an impossibility to carry out the commandments. Secondly, we believe in Yeshua. And because we believe in Yeshua, that changes who we are and and the application of the law to our life. For example, Messiah is our Passover lamb. If there was a temple today, would a believer go to Passover in Jerusalem to that altar and offer up a Passover lamb for that? Messiah is our Passover. The message is not, do we have to do that? No. But do we need to understand today whether there's a temple or not a temple? And obviously there's not today. But do we need to understand the teaching, the biblical revelation of that day of Passover and why Messiah was crucified on that and what Paul means that he is our Passover lamb and why Messiah says Passover is coming, I'm going up to Jerusalem. Are all of that relevant? Yes, it is. And if we have the attitude that much of the church has that says, well, the law's done away with. We don't study that. We don't apply that to our life. That is disobedience. We do in the newness of the spirit, not according to the letter of the law. So there is great relevance. And when I walk in the spirit and when I'm fulfilling the righteousness of the law today in the newness of the spirit, that same thing's going to be the outcome. God is going to give me his perspective. He's going to give me understanding i'm going to have a and a sense a heavenly sense that i can exercise god-pleasing discernment in my life that's what he's talking about at the end of, of verse seven now verse eight he says lo yamush what is that do not depart meaning do not uh leave the book this book of the law from your mouth don't let it depart from your mouth and what should we do that means that we should speak it read it and what else vehagita bo meaning meditate upon it day and night so let me say this the law has relevance and if we're not speaking it and we're not meditating upon it how often day and night we are in spiritual disobedience we are going to find ourselves being hindered the spirit of god being quenched in our life unless we recognize that the law is a significant tool people say does that mean i have to keep it wrong question does it mean that i need to understand it and apply the the relevance of the law the instructions of the law to my life being led by the spirit yes it does that is the right 
approach to it and despite that i've said that in many many recent messages among this this weekly live stream midnight from jerusalem i get the same questions over and over do i have to do this do i have to keep this when most of the time what they're asking is an impossibility so let's mature in the faith and understand what the scripture is saying second part of uh, verse 8 where he says on account or for the sake of this is a a term of significance for the sake of what that you will keep and do all according to all that is written in it now for us doing all that's written in it is the application based upon doing it in the newness of the spirit and that has great and significant implications so doing according to all written in it for then this is an outcome key as for then you have to have that mindset you have to have that understanding that perspective so that you that you will be successful in your way and then he says you will be wise now why that order he says first taskil taskil that same word for being wise is repeated twice why i get perspective the right perspective a godly perspective a godly vantage point so that i can do the will of god so i get that perspective i do successfully the will of god and what's the outcome more perspective more knowledge more understanding so that's how we grow in understanding god's truth we take what what reading and applying the word of god to our life does it gives us discernment so that we can behave properly and when we behave properly he gives us greater discernment greater understanding that's what he means at the end of verse 8 now look at verse 9 our last verse he says surely this is a word of of that which is obvious it's a word of affirmation surely i have commanded you how he says be strong this is the third time be strong and courageous and do not do not fear and do not be confused now there is an important relationship when i fear and this has to do with giving priority to something else not to god not to his word but to something else when we are not focused on the purposes of god but we become focused on something else something else causes us to move to the left move to the right when we are are moved by fear and that fear is from the enemy it is going to bring spiritual confusion when i am committed and walk in that that courage and that strength to do god's purposes i'm going to receive counsel i'm going to receive god's vantage point his perspective so i can carry out successfully what god has called me to do but when i become fearful of the enemy i give other things priority what's the outcome the outcome is i'm going to have spiritual confusion now what happens is this 
most of the time, this goes for me, it goes for you, it's, it's inclusive of every believer. When I start fearing the enemy, giving him priority, listening to him, it brings about spiritual confusion. Most of the time, we don't know that we're confused. And therefore, we say things, we do things, we give counsel, we give advice, we, we, we speak things. And those things are false because they derive from confusion and not spoken out of faith and strength and courage in doing God's will. So he says, look again at verse 9, surely I have commanded you, be strong and be courageous and do not fear and do not be confused. Why? Why should I give? any thought to my enemy his defeat of me his his desire to persecute to bring tribulation and suffering and despair in my life i don't need to be concerned with that i ought not have any anxiety in regard to that why here's the answer because don't fear don't be confused because he says the lord your god is with you Knowing that gives me a peace. It gives me that peace that passes all understanding. All, everything else is going around, going around me, my life, so what? What's going along around my life is irrelevant because God is with me. The Lord your God is with you in all where you walk. Now, understand there is an assumption. You're not turning to the left or turning to the right. So, where are you? In the will of God. Because you're obeying the instructions of God. And when we're in that will, we don't need to give concern or priority to the enemy. We ought not be fearful. Because that fear is going to produce confusion. God has promised, I'm going to be with you. Where you go. Where are you going? In God's will. This is what God begins to tell Joshua so that he can successfully, God wants you to successfully serve you. And he's going to provide everything that you need to serve him successfully. All you have to do is be committed to his word, applying his instruction to your life so that you can carry out his purposes successfully. And when you do that, you're going to grow. You're going to find greater strength, greater perspective. You're going to mature and you're going to become more and more useful. A greater, greater vessel in God's hand in order that you will be given more authority, more responsibility, greater things to carry out. This is why we should obey God. So we become a greater servant and realize this and I'll close with this. The greater things that you do in obedience to God's purposes the greater your joy will be because nothing satisfies nothing gives us a greater joy than knowing that god is pleased with you or pleased with me that's where that great joy comes from so i'll close with that until next week and we move into the second part of chapter one of this new book the book of joshua until then shalom from israel 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.